Hi there, I'm Joker. Haha! <laughs> I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna kill you, but maybe I won't because I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm I'm unpredictable! <laughs> I feel like I'm sitting right next to the Joker. <laughs> uh okay. Okay, right, that, that's that. Uh, okay. Hi there. This is modern farm. Hi there. Hello. I'm Nadim. I'm Simon. This is Modern Fart, the show in which we talk about movies that are like new, you know? Up to the minute. Not even like new. New. Totally relevant to relevant, relevant. up to date. Relevant rhyming with elephant. <laughs> I'm a joker now. Hey, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this this week we're going to be talking about Joker. Joker is directed by Todd Phillips, who directed The Hangover, and it's a little bit of a change of pace for Mr. Todd Phillips. He's kind of known for making these kind of frat comedies, like Old School and Jude. And, I mean, road Judith, trip, road trip. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Fratty kind of Judy. It's not really a frat comedy, but it's it's a it's a laddish comedy with gross aspect. So apparently, after uh, Todd Phillips made a movie called War Dogs, which I think came out in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen, uh, which was like a real. It's a little bit of a change of pace for him as well. War Dogs. War Dogs was a movie starring uh, Miles Teller and Jonah Hill, and it was about two guys who I believe rip off the government to, and sell arms. It was based on a true story. It was some kind of Wolf of Wall Street type oh. thing. It didn't do too well, and apparently Todd Phillips was then like, I want to make something with impact, because War Dogs clearly hasn't. So he turned to the world of comic book movies, which are obviously bigger every year, it seems, and mm-hmm. uh, decided that he would make one with a difference. He decided to make Joker, which was a character study uh-huh. of one of the most beloved superhero villains around. Huh? Yeah. So this is Gotham City that is New York and Joker that is a king of comedy. Right. Todd Phillips wanted to pay like a massive kind of homage to like the Martin Scorsese character study movies. So this is a little bit of a fancy film for him. So what's Joker about, Simon? So Arthur Fleck is played by Joaquin Phoenix and he is the Joker. He This is the origin story of the Joker. Played out in a way that befits its um, comparison to Martin Scorsese's gothic dramas, like even Taxi Driver's relevant to this film as well, obviously. So Arthur Fleck is mentally challenged. He sees a therapist. He's on seven medications. And he's kind of having trouble even keeping his job as a clown for hire. And we just see him kind of go through life, trouble after trouble, train of consequences... Nothing's going right in this guy's life. There's even the deal with the... He lives with his mother in that kind of hermetic sort of way and she's always complaining about how they're living and stuff like that. Uh, so it's set in a New York... that's uh, set in a Gotham City, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, kind of going through, like, cutting backs of this and that and funds here and... Gotham e- City's a shithole. There's even a... What's it? A binman strike, so there's super rats running around the city and stuff. <laughs> trash is just everywhere. Because yeah. Gotham's trash. This film has generated quite a lot of public fervour and initially when it came out it was 
acclaimed. It, it won the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival, mm-hmm. which is something that Shape of Water won the year before, Shape of Water being the Best Picture winner of last year at the Oscars. So the fact that it won that, a comic book movie like Joker won that is mental to me. It's still kind of weird, even though I've seen the film now. So bring on the backlash then. Yeah. How crap is it? <laughs> so Since now, it won the Golden Lion, it's like, oh, how crap is it then? Ugh. So now yeah. we're on the kind of counter swing, which is where the movie's out. A few people have seen it now, and the opinion on it is much more split now. A lot uh, of people have seen it. It's done, the box office on this, as we speak, it's is, huge. is quite big. It's yeah. done massive. I think it was the biggest October opening of all time. So yeah. it's done huge. Uh, and I mean, it would. It's a movie about the f***ing Joker. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of it, Simon? Right, so my initial complaints, because I came out of this film somewhat dissatisfied. And if you think about it, you know, I'm a fan of Taxi Driver and I think the King of Comedy. So this, as an idea, was like, oh, this could, this would be really good. You know, like that really cleverly worked out. And it's, it's perfectly, it's all in place to do the Joker like a Travis Bickle. That's brilliant, you know. So I came out and my initial uh, complaints, because I didn't feel entirely satisfied, is that across the running time of this film, it's too one note and doesn't really have any pacing. It's more like it's on a plateau for its full running time. And you've just got that sort of sinking into quicksand, depressive, oh, what's happening now? Something else depressing. Something horrible is going to happen next, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, and something horrible again. Ah, yeah, something horrible again. I also didn't think that Arthur could ever be a criminal mastermind, so I had that issue in my head. And um, I kind of felt like the, the stage was set for something immense, and then you would get trite dialogue instead of... Trite dialogue took place of what should be like a momentous thing that you remember as, yeah. as like a great scene. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so I, I was really hoping I would love this film. And because I, I, as I mentioned in our Hangover episode, I quite like The Hangover. Mm-hmm. And Todd Phillips is a fine director. He's he's not really amazing, but he's he's fine, right? Well, yeah. uh, <laughs> I know you like him now. Yeah, I, I do. I'm, you see, there's a there's a longer story here that these three points that I've made, uh, thinking about the film for a week and seeing it a second time, I kind of feel like the the one note thing that I'm talking about. It just feels like you have to zone in. That's on, part of it. My analogy, because I'm, I'm going to use an analogy because I'm an asshole that way. <laughs> but uh, you see, imagine there's a painting hanging on a gallery wall and it's toned towards the dark. So the, the, the lightest highlight is a mid-tone of a normal painting and it, there's areas that are pitch black. Your, your immediate reaction is, oh, there's a really heavy going black painting over there. But when you zone in on it and get into tune with that... It's so, it's you can so see intricate. That it, you can see that it's a balanced picture. It's you know? different shades of grey. It's different shades of grey. Yeah, there's, there's a full rich palette of, of close tones. Mm. Yeah, the tones are close rather than far apart. Uh, wow. So that's I think that that's just something that you maybe... You t- you, it takes a wee bit of getting accustomed to after it's it's initially hit you. Mm. You know, not I don't I don't believe that any film with any sort of um, ambition behind it from the director's point. Nobody's setting out to make a film that's only going to be watched once. Everyone wants their film to be something that people put on once in a while and see again and think about more and more. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, my initial reaction on that was wrong. Uh, I could go more into other wrong things, but maybe Nadim should say something about what he feels, since it's his podcast too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't love it. It was. Yeah. It was fine. I keep on. Uh, the The issue is, is that people are talking about this quite a lot right now, and obviously because we run a podcast, people ask me, "Oh, what do you think of it?" And I'm. I'm always kind of like, "Oh, fuck, say here we go." I didn't like it very much. It was fine. It was. I just found it very shallow, obvious, like frustratingly predictable, and mm-hmm. not only that, I just I, I all the kind of aspects that people are raving about are regular audience scores are raving about and and i say this as like so the general audience is watching this film it's obviously a world apart from a marvel film so it's a world apart from a from a superhero genre movie so they're shitting their pants about how um different it is whereas i feel as though i've seen the differences better in other films so i don't know i just i was just waiting for something interesting or revealing to happen and, not, and it never it never really came Alright boys, I've got a joke for you. Hey, that's cool. Listen to this one. Uh, why did the hedgehog cross the road? <laughs> I don't know. To be just like his flatmates. Yes. Oh no! <laughs> oh. Yeah. Alright, okay. Uh, what is the difference between a duck? That doesn't uh. make any sense. Yeah, no, no, just... Come on. Just... What is the difference between a duck? I don't know. It's got one leg both the same size. Very good. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I fully feel as though uh, a little bit like the film Get Out. Have you seen Get Out? Yeah. A little bit like Get Out where I, I acknowledge that I was the problem maybe more than the film was, right? Oh, so right. so I, like, I, I thought Get Out was fine as well. It was fine. Uh, but and people love that movie you know it might have just not been my cup of tea as opposed right. to it being a bad film or anything like that have you got anything else to say Simon? one thing I was going to say is on the topic of the stage being set for something that sh- you would expect something of mythic proportion and what you get is trite dialogue instead yeah uh, see that bothered me way more than I think it has bothered other people for yeah sure. well I mean in, in a way it's kind of I, I, I was thinking about a film called Unforgiven where Clint Eastwood demythologized the Western, and the whole point of the film was to to bring it, bring the Western back down to earth, where people are actually full of shit, and that people lie, and stories get expanded upon, and make it's it's all made out to be something bigger than it actually was. But then at the end, you get a show that the whole point of that film is, is that at the end, spoiler for Unforgiven, made in 1992, the whole point is that at the end, it gives you the, the punch of an actual great big Western, and you're like, whoa, and you hear dialogue that was that's written really poetically, a dark character that really takes you by surprise, all the rest of it. I kind of think if he did, if he played the same game with the Joker, it would probably deserve the criticisms of this is irresponsible that are being kind of banded around anyway by critics. And maybe the point is, is that, so this is a mentally ill guy. What do you expect him to do? All he's going to do is talk out of his arse a little bit and Mm. expose his weaknesses and his incompleteness as a human being when he gets in front of people. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, So so I kind of got over that problem as well. I now pretty much don't have much of an issue with this film. That's uh, cute. Yeah. See, I got a curse, man. <laughs> I just don't like films. <laughs> Should we get into spoiler? Let's uh, get area? into spoilers. Yeah, yeah. So let's that we do can it. relax. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. Bomb. Yeah. <laughs> it's bongo time, baby. Bongo time. 
I don't know. It's Bongo time. It's mise en scène. Mise en scène. Mise en scène. Mise en scène. Maisy en scène. Maisy en scène. So I think is there a lot of complaint about the fact of jokes going around, memes going around that There's uh, lots of memes. that the Joker looks kind of dingy and wouldn't. It, oh, I, I, I can't wait for the colorized version to come out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've not heard a thing. About I've, that. Seen, I've seen what I've seen. Yeah? A, I've seen a meme or two about the, oh, the dingy. I, I didn't mind that at all. No. I think maybe it's to do with the Facebook groups that I'm a part of. Mm, mm. The dodgy ones. That Weirdos, yeah, weird yeah. people. You know what? I've got a good joke for you. Knock, knock. Jokers in black and white. <laughs> yeah. Black, black and shite. Black and shite. That's that's the that's the genre. This, this movie started up a new genre, which is black and shite. Jo- joking, joking, Joaquin. Joking, aka Joker. Joking, Jokerine Phoenix. I think, rightly, people are praising the opposite of this performance. Sure, it's great. I think it's really good. It's good, yeah. Uh, a little bit one note, I think. Like, mm-hmm. But that, I think that's that falls on the writing. So, the big issue of this film, in my opinion, is the writing. The direction is f- fine. Pays homage to the right things, I guess. <laughs> like Taxi Driver. Yeah, hey. <laughs> I just wish that they had given Joaquin Phoenix more to do than what he does do you know what I mean like I feel as though I got as much out of Heath Ledger's performance in The Dark Knight as I did out of Joaquin Phoenix's performance despite this is supposed to be an origin story yeah Yeah. despite Joaquin Phoenix being in the entire two hours of the film whereas I think Heath Ledger's screen time in The Dark Knight is about half an hour and he makes as much an impact if not more in my opinion with what he with with what he does you know what I mean Mm. and I think that's maybe just because his character is better written so Let's get into why I thought this was frustratingly predictable, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's, like everyone, I've got a pretty decent idea of what the Joker is in my head, right? So, mm-hmm. the minute he has this character, Arthur Fleck, has like an Oedipal mother figure, I'm like, oh, I bet he kills her. And he does. And uh, the minute that he you see that he's obsessed with this chat show host, I'm like, oh, I bet he kills him. And he does. And then it's like, oh, this um, colleague he works with, you know, basically f***s him over by giving him a gun and then grassing him up or whatever. I bet he kills him. And he does. So the entire time I was uh, waiting for something that would shock me in a big way. And I was always just like, I called it about half an hour before it happened every single time. Did you call the the unreliable narrator Absolutely. Right. And this is why. Okay. So I want to get into this as well. Right. The movie has an unreliable narrator. So we're not sure at the end whether or not it's happened or not or whether it's happened in the way that things are presented. And it also does this whole thing of Arthur Fleck's relationship with his neighbour turns out to have been completely fabricated. I thought it was obvious. Yeah, the movie constantly does the dumb shit, right? And, and stuff that I found really dumb and frustrating that retracted from my enjoyment of the film and then undid it under the guise of uh, unreliable narrators. So Arthur gets the girl and I'm like, well, that would never have happened. He's a fucking weirdo. It feels unrealistic when he's with Zazie Beats. I'm like, this shouldn't ha- be happening. It's probably bullshit. I bet, I bet you this is some unreliable narrator bullshit. And it was. Arthur's stand-up was successful at one point. I was like, there's no way it's successful. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that's bullshit too. And it was. And then even things like Arthur being Thomas Wayne's son, I was like, I bet the mom's delusional. And it f***ing was. So every <laughs> really? You guessed that one Every f***ing time, the movie did something stupid. I was like, it can't. this movie can't be this stupid. And it was every time. So I was just so frustrated. I just was desperate for something to surprise me you know so one th- one thing i'll say that is that the um the mother being delusional i wasn't surprised either but it wasn't like i was yeah oh, but do you really think they'd have they'd have done like 
Um, yeah. ba- Joker and Batman were half brothers. brothers. Yeah. Like, oh, f- <laughs> that's some Austin yeah. Powers. Yeah, that. no, no, you're right. You that's know. stupid. Fair enough. So the ins and outs of that, I can kind of see that that's all. Oh, totally. Was. It was just frustrating. But you see the Zazie Beats thing, because Zazie Beats is the, the actress <laughs> who plays uh, his neighbour. His um, neighbour. I don't know her name, but she's actually up on the wall right now. Her name is Zazie Beats. No, 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 no. The character name. Oh, the character name, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she just plays herself. Yeah, she just plays that. Yeah, I thought you were trying to say that that was like some strange like, sort of stage name or something. <laughs> flame girl uh, beats yeah um, flame girl beats so actually the zazzy beats thing i think you're going to get more out of that if you are a fan of taxi driver because the sybil shepherd role in taxi driver is kind of like her role in this one mm. so it's kind of a tease that this is really going to happen because in taxi driver you get this nuanced realistic playing out of well he actually is getting some interest from a girl even though he's fucking mental <laughs> I just didn't buy it but yeah I think that you're supposed to think oh they're doing a really lame version of the Sybil Shepherd thing here and then at the end it's more like got ya <laughs> yeah. well, well they didn't give Zazie Beats enough screen time or depth as a character for me to remotely buy into the relationship whatsoever I was like this is clearly all serving Arthur's ego this is clearly some kind of uh, ruse and it totally was so I was just it just I wanted to hit my head against the wall when I saw it. I was like, F- of course. Uh, such bullshit. I kind of <laughs> just, think... You know, it just frustrated me, you know? I kind of think, rather than thinking of it as being, like, something that was predictable unintentionally, I think maybe it was a predictable thing of, like, where you wind someone up mm. and then you see a got you at the end of it rather than... I think I, think I would accept that more readily had the movie not also been littered with a bunch of boring writing and, <laughs> and, and unsubtlety like well, so so let's get into this even more, more then right so Arthur's on medication he's on a bunch of medication great he writes in a diary about how he's how he needs to hide his mental illness oh great you know he's got an Oedipal mother great it's like every single thing that could go wrong in this guy's life goes wrong to the most boring and obvious degree and it's just it, oh it turns out he's adopted great turns out that he was abused as a kid great it's like so, so you, you, you think it's all it's all it's so broad and boring like so the hangover 2 which was actually written by todd phillips so the hangover 1 wasn't written by todd phillips it was just kind of adapted and mucked around with the hangover 2 was written by todd phillips and craig mazin who actually ended up making chernobyl funnily enough but craig mazin and todd phillips wrote the hangover part 2 and the big complaint of the hangover part 2 is it it tries so hard to be shocking and offensive and edgy that it's just kind of pathetic and boring it's like like they just ticked off a list of offensive stuff that they could kind of address whereas the first hangover has got this lovely kind of mix of the two this film i feel was just like that in the same way as hangover 2 was which was which was that the joker was just it was just so full of obvious horrible shit i'm like could you not have been a little bit more creative like even he gets beaten up by a bunch of people in the first scene and i'm like oh, this is like fucking watching a like a kid's tv show with bullies like oh the bully's gonna beat him up in the street it's like oh, i don't know i just it was very frustrating and broad to me todd phillips is a lifelong bad writer i think todd phillips is a could, could have done better yeah. <laughs> right, well i don't think i could have done any better than todd phillips mind but here boys boys you know how when you you do like glove puppets, yeah. when you put on glove puppets <laughs> like a, like a Punch and Judy or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah you know that, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you not think it's a bit like you're putting your hand up things as bums? Yeah. <laughs> oh no! no. <laughs> when you're wearing a glove puppet on your hand, it's like you're you're elbow deep up things as bums. Oh no! Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
the mental illness thing. So uh, you get you, you get told of of his seven medications and whatnot. So that's kind of like a, a tell but don't show thing. But then you actually do get shown the way that his mental illness kind of progresses. Mm. I was quite impressed by the way that you know the when that song comes on in the soundtrack it's about like it's a jangly sort of folk song it's like my name is carnival and then the next time he's talking to his therapist he talks about how he heard a song on the radio that felt like it was it was he didn't use these words but he kind of feels like he's being pointed to and noticed in the world like he's part of it again again mm. and this is this is even after his violent outburst isn't it it's after he's killed after people he's, on the train yeah hit the murders yeah that's right. so he's even hearing about his own news story that nobody else knows is him and he suddenly feels like the world's taking notice of the his, world, yeah that, so yeah. and you kind of see, kind of see oh that is how it would happen you would start feeling like you were being referenced all the time yeah yeah well you know what my problem yeah. with that is <laughs> yeah i've seen it done better in breaking bad you know <laughs> yeah, okay. it's the same thing it's the same thing yeah. really it's the every man who who is dissatisfied with his life and who finds purpose and meaning in the fact that he's really good at something that's bad, which is, I mean, Arthur Fleck isn't even good at murdering. He just gets away with it, you know? It's, it's the same thing. And also, yeah. um, the thing with the mental illness, I feel like a movie like Punch Drunk Love, which is one of my favourite films of all time, does that a little bit better. Now, obviously, the character in Punch Drunk Love, Barry Egan, doesn't become a murderer, but it's such a perfectly subtle and well-done uh show of what mental illness is to the point where people don't even think that Barry Egan's got mental illness and it's like I mean you think he does I'm pretty sure he's pretty sure he's kind of anxious <laughs> and and as you were saying you're waiting for the kind of joker moment to kick in it doesn't really give you that you know so I was I was hoping for a movie that that kind of embodied the chaos and the energy of joker at least in the end and it, it never really comes but maybe the, that's the future. This is my second point was the fact that Arthur never feels like he would become a, a criminal mastermind in the, the way that you know you expect him to be someone that's constantly eluding a resourceful, strong. Yeah, you just like don't Batman. believe that he could become. The but Joker. he's got a few other switches to flick, and he'll be there. You know, that's mm. the thing. That's where it, the film ends. It ends with him on the cusp of two or three more switches needing a flick and you can maybe see that that's that's what's going to happen well i guess the 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 ending scene in which you find out that he's in an asylum and that he may or may not have made up the entire story that's a perfect that's a perfect way of tying that in actually because Mm -hmm. if it turns out that arthur has been making this up it turns out he's actually pretty intelligent you know turns out he's actually leading you down a garden path and maybe that's why the film's so unsubtle like oh i was abused and i was adopted and i was this and this and this and this it's like maybe it's because the guy's making it up but i I think it's really just because Todd Phillips can't write very well, but... <laughs> and he's hiding. It's like American Psycho is a film. I think it kind of gets away with a lot on the grounds that it's... Uh, but it's meant to be, you know... But it's the, yeah, it's the fantasy of a murderer. Enigmatic, yeah. and it's meant to be... Uh, yeah. like You're not sure what's going on, and it's meant to be kind of... What is it? Fake and phony uh, yeah. in the TV advert kind of world of big smiles and... Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I like... I think this film's great. In a lot of ways, I mean, and from day one, like when I came out with those initial complaints, I was not complaining at all about the way that this film looks mm. uh, and the way that it uses its locations. The big stairway thing that he, he does is he dances dance. on. That's already iconic, I think. So, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. There's and, so many good memes. But even like when he walks up it at the start, <laughs> when he walks up it at the start and he's kind of like dragging his feet and it kind of cuts to the top of the stairs with like the distant buildings in the background and stuff and mm. then he's inside his, his flat building and stuff. Yeah, that's There's excellent. Scene after scene of just like, it's been visually designed perfectly. Mm. So that I think that's that's just a, a huge strength. It, the fact it's good to look at could probably make a film worth watching again 
even if it really was shallowly written. And I'm kind of coming around to the idea that it's not actually as shallowly written as mm. I, I initially thought. Yeah. I guess um, the, oh, the the Joker stairs are... Uh, I don't know if this is just a meme or not, but I'm pretty sure the Joker stairs are now like a, a location on Google Maps. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I wondered why it hadn't been on a film before. Because, I mean, how long have people been looking around doing location scouts? And they've those stairs have never ended up on a movie before. Yeah. Did you know that the song that he dances to while on those stairs. It's a Gary Glitter song. I believe I did know that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that you're older than me, so you know who Gary Glitter yeah. is, but Gary Glitter was like, so when I was when I was growing up, Gary Glitter was like the go-to pedo name, you know? <laughs> like, it's now Jimmy Savile, but before, it was very much, oh, Gary Glitter will get you, you know? Yeah, no, 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 yeah, no. Now the go-to go yeah. no, uh, pedo name. And is. he's even got like a really sinister look to him as well. So yeah. you, it's like you look at photographs of him and just go, ooh. And you know something? I didn't know it was a Gary Glitter song. So yeah. I, I've actually liked that song. Like, it's a, it's a kind of good song. <laughs> but, oh God. It's I was totally like, this is a total trolling thing that he's, he's using. Troll, yeah. He's using this song. It's scoring someone that you're not meant to have sympathy for. You know, this whole thing of it's meant you're meant to sympathise with Joker. I don't really see that you need to. I don't think it's that's the point of the story. Did you sympathise with Joker in this film? I think that Or even um, relate to him in any way. Yes, yes. Really? Because uh, I I didn't at all. And I, I was really hoping to. The story here is that people cross the line and do irredeemable things and then they're the bad guy. Mm. But there's a story of how you, you, you get there and there's culpability in, in a society as well. That's a story that the mainstream media don't want to, to tolerate. That's why there's certain fractions of it out there that are like trying to snidely shut down. They wanted this film to do really badly or for someone to shoot up a cinema to prove them right. <laughs> it's not happened, Chair. It's not happened. Right, here's another joke for you. <laughs> Uh, who was the last person I had sexual intercourse with? <laughs> I don't know. Somebody's mum. Oh no! <laughs> Somebody's mum. Okay. <laughs> like so, there's a good bit at the start of this film in which Arthur, after he gets the shit kicked out of him. Um, his daisy that he's wearing on his on his lapel of his clown outfit it squirts water and it's kind of like oh that's cute you know he's, he's that's that's a kind of darkly funny thing to put in you know and then there's a moment where he walks into a hospital door that's, as well. that actually does get a laugh yeah that's it? that's pretty that's and actually as a character moment that's really good as well because yeah. because the guy's going uh, you know is that a joke and he goes oh what do you think and then he walks into the Bang. Door. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a per- it's a perfect com- it's a perfect character moment actually I really like that moment I just wish there was more of it you know what, actually, what do you think about his, his uh, diary stroke joke book? Cringy. Really? Cringy shit, yeah. I, I thought it was quite it was, funny. Because so it's, so it was... it's scribbly, it's got like little <laughs> fucking creepy war shock. He's even got little cut out porno pages in <laughs> yeah. there. And he just lets people see it. You yeah, just like pull out and roll the pages around, and you'll yeah. just be like, "Oh, do you know what we can see that girl's pity on the page?" I there. think it would have been funnier had had we not ever actually properly seen it, because there's a <laughs> me- there's a bit where he writes in it like the bad thing about having a mental illness is that you have to hide it or something. And I was oh, like, you have to. I was like, people, oh, ex- wow. people expect you to act like you don't. Yeah. It's like, wow, what a revelationary statement! Wow, well yeah. done. No one's ever said that about mental illness before. Thanks, Arthur. Like, 
I don't know. I just it's, it is. It's that's one of that's one of the things that are the inspirational meme that's shared, isn't yeah, it? It's just, you know, yeah, it's just yeah. a fucking boring thing to say. You've kind of made me feel better because you see, like, <laughs> I was, I had my initial bad reaction, yeah. and then I felt bad about having a bad reaction because yeah. I started to go, oh, get, getting around to it now. You're reminding me, you're kind of tempering it because it's like, you know what? There's there's problems to have with this. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I also just think that. So I spoke to a friend about this recently, but what a friend was saying to me was that what they liked about the film was that it outlined that if you're born into shit, then you'll be raised up. Or you, the likelihood is that you're going to be not have the advantages of being born in somewhere else. And you get a little bit of that with Arthur when he visits the Wayne Mansion. But I don't think that's a particularly revolutionary thing to say. Like that, oh, if you're born in, you know, if you're born disadvantaged, you're disadvantaged. It's like, yeah, no shit. And I think this movie goes to comical lengths to kind of push that point. I don't know. It feel it just feels but, like a moot point. But like. there's a yeah, there's a myriad of things that can happen from the point that anyone's born, and I I kind of feel like there's a myriad of stories that originate from disadvantaged areas. There's mm. also the guy that transcends it and elevates himself above that. Of course. Yeah. There's also you know this person that's born really rich and you know or the person that wins the lottery and then dies before they're thirty because they just they're a hermit. You know. Yeah. Exactly. There's all sorts of things like that. You know. One thing that, you know, this this film's kind of make, been making me think, and that's kind of a thing in itself, that in 2019 I went to the cinema and then I thought, that's quite good. You know, I just want to take Woo! a moment to say thank you for making me think, because it's been quite a while since okay. I left the cinema thinking <laughs> about anything. When he becomes a villain that people are seem to be rallying behind, you know, and it seems like there's a, a the, the clown mask sort of iconography. He becomes a total anti-hero at yeah. the end, yeah. Um, so the people that trashed him at the start are the kind of people that are now rallying behind him. Like the people that bullied him, just the people that grabbed a sign at the start and yeah, then broke they, it. They're gangsters, yeah, they're so, gangsters. So they're the kind of people that are now rallying behind him and he's part of it, you know. So, I, you know, there's there's kind of a, a nuance to that as a story. It's like, now I feel like I, I belong. We've got a common enemy, which is society. Which is, the, which is society and the people who run it. Yeah, yeah. We've got a yeah. We've got a com- We should we should band together. Yeah. Instead of breaking a sign over my head, you band together, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and and he proves his worth to them by killing by killing people. Wall which, Street. Which I guess were. is kind of twisted and cool. I don't know. I just. I just didn't feel at any point that I was learning anything new, or or it wasn't making me think in any new way, or mm-hmm. I don't know. You're just too damn seasoned for your well, own just, good. Just watch a Ken Loach movie, like let, if you want to see how people are disadvantaged by their birth, watch any movie by Ken Loach. Oh, like Kes. Kes is such a sad film. Watch the Angel Share. Watch Kes. Watch what's it called? Poor Cow. Watch uh, I Daniel Blake. Literally watch any Ken Loach movie. <laughs> I'm sure there's a famous one that I've forgotten. But. And you see, if you watch, you see, if the people who are calling this like a great film and it's such a such a great profile of mental illness and stuff like that, or mental health issues, you know, I hope to hell that you've at least seen or are going to actually watch Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy, mm. because if you watch this film and then don't bother to watch those ones, your soul, you, uh, <laughs> just. just <laughs> I just want you to improve your soul by watching these movies, and if not your taste in films, you know what was it? Uh, <laughs> <That's>, yeah, <laughs> it's so elitist. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I think if the the issue I have with this movie again is that so if you've got such a clear destination for your movie, which is that your main character becomes the Joker eventually, you know it's the origin story for the Joker. Surely the best thing to do is to get that out in the open as soon as possible. And 
you know how there's a comic book called The Killing Joke by mm-hmm. Alan Moore and yeah. Brian Bolland and it's or Brian Boland and it's fantastic. It's literally it's a it's a version of the story that's presented in in this film. And literally from the start it's Batman it's a Batman comic, but Batman is about to fight the Joker and then Joker then recounts to Batman, you know, his his life story or, or the way that or, or the way in which he went mad. And it's just so much more effective than this film, I think. Um, I really, really enjoyed that comic book in a big way. And it's because the, the way that it kind of discusses what it discusses is a little bit more interesting and clever, I think. Um, yeah. Even though it probably says roughly the same thing, you know? Well, you know what? Keeping in the spirit of the elitist thing I said about Taxi Driver, <laughs> right? I haven't read Killing Joke, so maybe I'll read that yeah. and then that'll bring down my opinion further. I'll be back to, you know what, it is actually crap. Thank you, Nadine. <laughs> I've watched the, I've read The Killing Joke now and I can see how shit yeah. Todd Phillips' movie actually is. I don't want to say this film's crap, though. I really, I, I was just very frustrated with it. I think a movie that you're frustrated with usually means that you, that you can see the good in it as well. And yeah. I, I think... You were almost there, but you didn't. Exactly, exactly. I've been wavering between giving this like a five and a five or a six out of ten. Like I really... Like a, a six being a positive review and a five being a negative review. I waver between the two. To be honest, if you ask me on a good day, I'd say, sure, it's a six. <laughs> I feel like saying... Maybe I've got a different feeling about numbers than you do, but I feel like giving this a seven out of ten and saying that I still feel like there's a lot of problems. Because I give ten out of ten to films quite a lot. And I give 9 out of 10 quite a lot. But 7 out of 10, that's like, you know what? <sighs> three marks that you're not getting. You, know? <laughs> you ain't getting those three, boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, one last thing is the reason I haven't been talking about the positive attributes of this is film is because... Everyone else is. Everyone else is. And I think you can... If anything that's kind of obviously positive about this film, like the way it looks or Joaquin Phoenix's performance, you can assume that... We both agree, you know. The good points of this film are pretty obvious. Yeah, it's just the details I found rather annoying. You mm. see, when the el- when the elevator uh, door closes on his face as that Gary Glitter song's playing, mm. and I think that his facial expression—it's not just a smug, empty smirk. That's a really, you know, he's got the makeup on and his eyebrow twitches, followed by one side of his mouth. And I was like, but I don't think anyone can have a screen presence like that. Joaquin like, Phoenix, man. Yeah, he's, he's got something. He's some boy. He did something that not everyone else can do. You yeah, know? man. We can't all do that. Some of us are born in the disadvantaged area of not having any acting talent. Mm. Like me. Like, I, I watch films and I think, I wish I could do that, but I can't. I realise, you know, when you if you audition to the mirror, like what Travis Bickle does in Taxi Driver, <laughs> you, you, you learn very quickly that you're shit at acting. <laughs> you know, it's a, re, it's a really frustrating thing. I think if there was any, like, justice to the world, we'd all be great actors and we'd star in each other's shit. I used to think my life was a tragedy, but now I realise it's a porno. Crazy. Well done, Todd. What am I going to do with the next jobby I take in the toilet bowl? I don't know. I'm going to keep it as a pet. Oh no! I'm going to keep it as a pet. I'm going to put it on the end of a lead and take it around in the street. And I'm going to call it Virginia. (laughs) 